Hey guys, on this episode of Manufacturing Unscripted, we are back with my sister and producer of the show, Lauren Rawl. Uh, we wanted to continue to highlight some of our favorite moments from this last year. Uh, so please enjoy part two of our best of series. And without further ado, enjoy the show. This podcast is sponsored by Promus Incorporated, the leading provider of fully electric servo presses for manufacturing. Promus provides global support for pressing and motion control applications in multiple industries. With precise positioning and in-process force monitoring, your company will begin to see ROI on day one. Call 810-229-9334 or email sales at promisinc.com to speak with an expert engineer about your application today. Hey guys, welcome to Manufacturing Unscripted. I'm the producer, Lauren Rawl, and I'm joined with the host, Matthew Rawl. Matthew, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. How does it feel to be on the other side today? Uh, it's same seat, but different role, so it's, it's, it's a little bit different, but I think I like it. <laughs> it's a complete podcast takeover. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to be asking you the questions this time. So, I know you have alluded to it in previous episodes, but how did you get your start in manufacturing? Yeah, so it's, uh, I mean, pretty textbook, to be honest. Uh, four years um, in college, uh, mechanical engineering. I actually interned um, for Promes uh, my sophomore and part of my junior year. Um, <clears throat> and that was really my first introduction to manufacturing. So uh, I actually went to two other companies um, while in college and worked for them. Um, but basically after a year, returned back to Promes. And uh, upon graduating college, I got my mechanical engineering design position here. Um, and then uh, really just kind of hit the ground running. Um, started designing machines, getting more involved with customers. Um, and then I was fortunate enough to be kind of promoted to the mechanical team lead. Um, and at that point, I kind of took more of a project management role um, and started overseeing a lot of the uh, higher dollar value jobs we did. Um, and coincide with that, kind of our tailored workstation um, product really started to take off. And so they kind of just kept moving and forward to eventually, uh, I, I was, got pretty good at that and, <laughs> and Promes promoted me to engineering manager. So I now see, oversee all of the development team, electrical engineering, um, software development and the mechanical engineering group. Um, and yeah, then, so when I started, you were head of just mechanical. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's been it's been a journey, but lucky for both of us, we were able to kind of promote from within, which is great. Yep. Okay. So, uh, what have you learned from hosting this podcast? Interviewing people is hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I think what I love about this podcast is that it is informal. Mm-hmm. But uh, just just interviewing people, trying to know when to interject, ask the right questions, mm-hmm. um, just phrasing the questions. Um, yeah. I've had to really think a lot about that, um, and it's definitely an area that I still want to continue to grow. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's it's totally different when the camera's off um, versus when the camera's on. Yeah, and I think, too, um, finding that balance between, like, sales and informational mm-hmm. topics is kind of difficult. I know we gen- 
generally have like an introduction call to with yeah. our whoever we're having on to kind of talk about a topic. But it's kind of hard to um, – you don't want the podcast to be selling anything. Like we, we just want it to be informational and informative and interesting. So it is, ty- it is kind of hard to phrase the questions in the right yeah. way, but and I it, think we're definitely getting better and better at that. And it's tough because our our intro um, meetings with, our, with the guests, I always feel like go a thousand times better than the actual podcast because, again, it's when it's just kind of – organic mm-hmm. and and there no one feels under pressure our conversations just go so well so you know a goal for me is to really kind of bring that into the podcast yeah the kind of em- embrace it a little yeah. bit more yeah I get that all right um what is one key takeaway from hosting this podcast uh that I knew very little about actually manufacturing <laughs> you're supposed to be the expert <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing I I, I mean I, I I don't I, I'm not. And, yeah, you're, and, you don't know what you don't know. You're you're the expert at what you do. Yeah, and there's yeah. so many. Um, when you think about manufacturing, I, I just think of you know assembly things and, mm-hmm. and and manufacturing things. But there's way more to it. And even with the growth of my job, I've learned more about manufacturing um, as I, I've branched into like the software side of it, the electrical side of it. Um, but then I'm also on the manufacturing side or the, the marketing side. And I just, all these guests that we've had, you know, I don't know if one's really been the same and they all bring a different perspective and it has really helped me grow, but it's just shown me that um, there's so much more to it than, than what I was even taught. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so with that, we're gonna jump into our first clip. Uh, the first clip is one of my personal favorites. Um, a little bit more of my backstory. I've currently been going to school at uh, Arizona State online for my um, cybersecurity degree. So I only have one semester left and I'll have my bachelor's, which mm-hmm. is very exciting. But having um, Dana Mantilia on the podcast was pretty cool. She talked to us about cybersecurity and um, what to look for in like emails and certain business things. I don't think I ever realized that ransomware attacks were quite as big as they are. Um, we've had several conversations about cybersecurity mm-hmm. now, and it just kind of makes it more and more real every time. Um, so, yeah, protect your stuff, guys. Yeah, she, she, you know, we laugh, but she spooked me the most, right? Because um, growing up, you know, in the 2000s, based on when we grew up, uh, it was always the you know, look for strange cars outside your house. Mm-hmm. Um, they're trying to get on your Wi-Fi and steal yeah. all your information. And I brought that up to her and she just kind of laughed at me and was like, mm-hmm. they don't do that anymore. They just will fly a drone over your house and steal your information. <laughs> yeah. and, and it was just like, oh, okay. That that definitely... Uh, yeah, hope you sleep better at night. Yeah, drones over my house all the time. Just so <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think it just, she brought a very real aspect to it. and mm-hmm. And I think you know, this topic in general is, it's always, it seems so bizarre and out there until it actually happens to you. Yeah. And I think it's a good thing to keep reminding your mm-hmm. staff and, and everybody about. So without further ado, enjoy episode 29 with Dana Mantelia. Well, so we talked about a couple, but what are some other common or more common cyber attack methods that you've seen maybe on the corporate level and even on the more uh, civilian level? Well, I always tell people it's a lot easier for someone to 
fool somebody than mm -hmm. to hack into their computer system. Yeah. So it's a lot e easier to do some kind of social engineering and create some kind of persona that's mm -hmm. going to contact the HR department or contact an office manager, you know, that kind of a thing. So mm -hmm. if we don't tell our employees, listen, no one's ever going to send you an email requesting, pretending it's me or thinking yeah. that it's me that's going to say wire money to this, this account. I mean, an example of that is Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank. She was doing business with these hotels over in Germany. So there was a lot of correspondence back and forth with a variety of people in her organization. And her office manager got an invoice that looked very similar to all the other invoices mm -hmm. that they had been paying along the way, $400,000. She sent the money. And then she just happened to reach out to Barbara's assistant and say, hey, I just want to give you a heads up. I just sent that money for that mm -hmm. furniture, whatever it was. And she said, what are you talking about? We don't, we don't have an invoice like that open. So then they checked it, and the email yep. address was off by one letter, yep. and it was an, a Chinese IP address. Mm -hmm. So whoo, that money's gone. Yep. Yep. No, that's that's it's it's scary how easy it is. Um, yeah. But what I guess what are some other like do you have any other common ones that you've seen or that maybe what's like the number one that you think people fall for the most? The number one is the phishing emails, okay. no question, no question that. And then following instructions because they believe that the email is from their boss or their superior yep. in some way that they, you know, the gift card one ties right into that. Hey, yep. I'm really busy. I'm in a meeting right now. Can you go out and get these gift cards and, uh, you know, just scratch off the back numbers, mm -hmm. give them to me and I'll pay you back when you get back. And we, I had that happen in my office. Yep. So here we talk about this stuff all the time. Yep. And one day, one of the women that works here, she's standing by my door and I said, what, with her coat on. And I said, why do you have your coat on? And she said, oh, I'm going to get all that stuff you need me to get <laughs> and I, said, I don't know what you're talking about yeah she said yeah we were just e emailing me and then you wanted to, to jump over to text so we were texting back and forth you have a presentation oh, later on and yeah. you wanted me to go get those gift cards and i was just coming to let you know i was leaving and i thought no 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 we do this all the time this is not supposed to happen here yeah, so i yeah. actually did a video on that that i post every once in a while no that's that great. can happen to anybody yeah no that's that that's crazy. Uh, I mean, at least she was checking before she left. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, what about? Do you have like any? I'm trying to think. Um, any more bizarre stories? Well, well, one thing those? I would those say just... is that a lot of small companies and a lot of manufacturing yeah. companies that are that are small on the smaller side, they really, really, truly believe in the bottom of their heart that no one is going to bother with them. Yeah. Because they say my information is really not that important. You know, what is someone going to do with the stuff that that I do? You right. know, I manufacture bolts for you know ships at the Navy. Yeah. You know, what's the big deal? <clears throat> but what they don't understand is if you say to yourself, okay, well maybe it's no use to them, but what about if you didn't have any of yeah. your information for your company? Yeah. How long would you be able to operate not having any of your data or being able to contact any of your customers? That's and that's what they know. And they also know that when they place ransoms on these ransomware attacks, they'll make sure that whatever the ransom is, is within your budget. It mm -hmm. may be a stretch, but they're not going to say to a small organization, okay, your ransom is $4 million. You have to pay that because yeah. they know that they can't get that money. Right. But they may say, okay, your ransom is going to be fifty dollars to $100,000. So that may yeah. be a stretch for that small company, but they know that you know, push comes to shove, they can probably come up with it. And it's really crazy the way that yeah. these whole ransomware attacks work. They they have huge organizations. They have the people that, that do the attack. Then they yep. have the people that do the negotiating. They yep. have help desks that they can call if they have problems with some of this stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a business. It's a really under Unfortunately, a, a big business, and they're making a lot of money on it. Mm -hmm. And you know, it, it would be easy to, for us just to say, "Well, if everybody stopped paying the ransom, we could be yeah. uh, done with these whole things." But 
you know, sometimes it is the better option to pay the ransom. And I know that yeah. that's not what anybody wants to hear. But mm -hmm. you know, if you have a hospital and it's all of a sudden now it's in lockdown and can't get any patient information, yep. or it's a town and they've taken over the 911 system mm -hmm. or all of the traffic lights, you know, these are times that you can't say, oh, we have plenty of time on our hands to negotiate this, to go yep. create a Bitcoin account. I mean, this is when time is of the essence and they know that as well. So it's kind of, you know, what's yeah. the right answer? I don't know. No, that's that's crazy. Yeah, and it's it's a good point to bring up. Sometimes people do pay them, and they just they just learn. All right, well, I hope you enjoyed that clip. Uh, our next clip is going to be of Megan Ziemba, uh, and I picked her because uh, not only is she just really well-known, she's super nice, super friendly, um, and her podcast for me as the host was probably the one where I really started to feel more comfortable as a host. Um, and, and we end up talking about something that neither of us are actually experts in, and that's autonomous vehicles. Um, and, and we really got into kind of just all the different things that they're working on. And uh, she highlighted something that MIT is actually working on um, about, you know, how does a car choose between two really bad outcomes, you know, hitting a person or hitting a tree. And, and it, it just amazed me just to, to think about that because – it is a really serious uh, thing, and I just don't think people think about it very much. Yeah, and she was one that I kind of hesitated to reach out to for a while, I felt like, because, I don't know, I, I kind of was starstruck in a way with Megan, and yeah, she's just so great. And I love the partnership that you guys have built since the podcast. Um, I know that she's done an outreach program with, with us internally mm -hmm. since then, and just keeping in touch has been really fun. Um, yeah, she's always doing great things. Yeah, and just, you know, especially today with electric vehicles becoming more of a kind of a buzzword and, and really pushing forward, a lot of the topics that we talked about in this podcast are becoming more relevant and more real every day. Um, and, and so without further ado, enjoy the clip. I like driving. Mm -hmm. I like driving. I like feeling in control. Um, so I don't know if I would be completely comfortable in a fully autonomous car because mm -hmm. I, again, like with the risk of having it hacked or, um, you know, it's not going to be this overnight transition where you have all of these automated cars, mm -hmm. you're still going to have automated with, you know, manual cars. So if you're in an automated car and, you know, something's happening on to the right of you or something's happening on to the mm -hmm. left of you and you're not in control of the car, how is your car going to know yep. which way to, to veer and avoid? And that actually is an issue that yep. MIT is actually looking into. It's actually, they're collecting data from um, different people and how they react in certain situations Yep. so that if you have like two bad situations in front of you, okay, which one is the worst one yeah. and how do you program your car to, to make that decision because yep. you either hit a pedestrian or you hit a, hit a tree, which one right. do you want to do yep. kind of thing? No, so, I, I didn't even think about it's that. Interesting. So, uh, that's yeah. <laughs> hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that clip with Megan. Um, so for our next one, we're going to take it back to episode 11 and this is going to be with Will Healy. So most of you probably have seen him um, even like at a trade show online, but he has a really, really big presence and he is such a nice guy. So I really enjoyed this um, this episode. One of the quotes I actually pulled from it, I'm going to read it from my paper here, was do more than the job you're assigned. So he said that in the episode, and it really resonated with me because I, I'm always 
you know, preaching to be passionate about your job. And I think to be passionate, you have to kind of encompass a lot more than what you're actually assigned to Mm do. So even like for me, marketing, um, manufacturing equipment and things like that, I have to know more about my audience. I have to be more engaged, which is why I started this podcast and which is why like I find it so fun to do is because I'm doing more than my job. I'm getting to know other industries um, and it's all really interesting. But Matthew, what was your experience with Will? Um, Well, uh, amazing. I mean, he's, I've met him in person now mm-hmm. and he's, he's truly the the guy you see in all the social media. It's the same person in real life. And, um, it, he kind of touched on kind of a reoccurring theme, uh, throughout the podcast. Um, and it, it's so crazy cause he was so early on, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's come up many times and that's, um, I guess how I term it as like more horizontal growth within a company. Right. Um, you know, a lot of people tend to think uh, vertical growth is the way to uh, a good career. Right. Um, and usually vertical growth just ends up coming with more dollars. Where horizontal growth, you become kind of a jack of all trades. And what you're doing, you might not be necessarily making more money, but you're increasing your value. To yeah, the which company. I feel like makes you really like irreplaceable. Yeah. In and, a lot of ways. And so if you can increase your value to the company, that, that vertical growth, that career growth that'll just come with time mm-hmm. um and and but you also just become a better person in general whether it be an engineer or anything like that yeah and it's really like a sense of pride um and i think that's huge we talked about uh, mental health and manufacturing and all of that but i think the more you expand yourself the better you are for your company and the better overall you are so without further ado enjoy this clip i don't want to overlook it because uh engineering leader 40 under 40 um, 2020, I believe, right? I mean, that's quite a feat. Um, what, what would you have to say to any upcoming, up and coming engineers, um, in that regard? Yeah. Um, I think my first piece of advice and I have, mm-hmm. I have a couple, but mm-hmm. my first piece of advice is you have to be more than the job description you're assigned. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of engineers are very black and white. If you know disk profiles, mm-hmm. C-oriented uh, people, you know, very detail-oriented. And so um, if, you, if you only work the job you have, and I know that sounds weird to say mm-hmm. you only work the job you have, um, it's really hard to get noticed, yep. to lift up, mm-hmm. to grow, to get opportunities that you want. You know, yep. most of us don't want to just do the job we did when we got out of college. We want to do yep. something more. But the way you get noticed is to do more than the job you're assigned. I had a boss who always told me, do the do the job that you want, not the job that you have. Mm-hmm. You always still have to do the job you have, right? <laughs> yeah. but, but do the job you want. And right. I think that's what I always have tried to do. And I, I group it into kind of three things. And you're going to hear this theme through my answers yep. throughout. But it's about people and processes and product. Yep. Like when you talk about people, like how do I have healthy relationships? Am I supporting people? Manufacturing's tiny. Mm-hmm. So like I, I always joke. Whoever's your coworker today could be your boss tomorrow or even worse, your customer the next mm-hmm. day, right? So like really manufacturing is this circle where we're all close knit. We're going to know each other for the next mm-hmm. 40 years. So we have to have healthy relationships with each other and we have to help each other out and help mm-hmm. each other improve and focus on the long-term growth and long-term relationships. Yep. That's that's the people part, I think. Yep. Um, the, the process part is we have to be willing to change Mm-hmm. And we have to be clear in our own expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I think when you when you find people who, who don't end up on lists like this, it's typically because they're not willing to mm-hmm. change and adapt. I mean, the only constant right now, mm-hmm. especially in 2021, yeah. is change, right? right? I mean, it feels like on an hourly basis, we're getting news that something has changed. Yep. So I, I think, um, you know, being aware of, of change and, and those kinds of things. And then the last one on the product, I already kind of mentioned it when you asked about a marketing engineer, mm-hmm. but like, when you're working on your product, when you're actually mm-hmm. an engineer working on something, not just trying to get it done, yeah. but trying to figure out how does it make someone else's life better. Mm-hmm. And even if it's a wiring harness on a car mm-hmm. and you're being told to design three cents out of it, like how does it make someone's life better? Yeah. How is it going to make someone's life better? How does this have an impact on everything else in, in mm-hmm. the world, right? Like don't just design that three cents out and then it fails after mm-hmm. a month or whatever right? Like think about how it has an impact on, on making someone else's mm-hmm. life better. And so I feel like those three things, you have good relationships, yeah. you have a willingness to change and how do you focus on value creation? Um, I, I think that is really being more than your job description. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, if you go back to the people one, I actually have, um, through internships and stuff, as I, I came through college, I have three bosses that are now customers. You know, so it's one of those ones where it's like, wow, you know, now I have to really be nice to you, you know, so, so, so. Um, but yeah, no, that's definitely true. Uh, I mean, it's especially, you know, um, where we're at, we're in the Metro Detroit area. Um, and, you know, so there's, there's builders, there's, you know, the, 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 the big three, you know, there's people just cycling all around, you know, from one company to the next. And, and I, I definitely, those relationships have definitely come in because I've gotten text messages from someone that said, Hey, I need your help with this. I'm like, where do you even work now? You know? So, um, so, you know, definitely, um, that's great advice. I, I, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, hats off to you. That's quite an accomplishment. Um, um, you. you know, we, we say manufacturing small, but, um, to even be considered in the top 40 for anything, you know, as small as, you know, we say small, but it's relatively small. It's still pretty big. So, um, um, so yeah. Uh, but let's move on to more of the the you know the we're Midwest guys, so the meat and potatoes of of what we um, uh, are talking about today, and that's um, smart manufacturing. And and I think you know a good a good point to start is in your opinion, you know, what does smart manufacturing mean? The most loaded question on the internet. <laughs> it is, but but you know it's 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 such it's such a hard question to answer. But I'm I'm hoping, you know, uh-huh. Will Healy the Third can help me out here. Uh, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'll I'll give you my best stab at it. Yeah. I think I think what's what's interesting about when everyone defines this is mm-hmm. you always come from your experiences, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, if you're a software guy, there's a lot of software yeah. definition around it. If you're a if you're a cybersecurity guy, there's a lot of cybersecurity things mm-hmm. around it. If you're if you're a hardware guy like me, there's yep. there's a little bit more of a hardware view of it. So I try to step back go through the experiences, the conversations mm-hmm. I've had with lots of manufacturers um, between conferences and visits and and um, consulting and talking to people. Um, when I boil it all down, I try to strip, strip away the, the bias, if you will. Yep. Um, 
I really see three motivations that really come up again and again and again and again. And those three motivations really are the, the first one's flexibility. Like people, mm-hmm. when they talk about smart manufacturing, they're really saying they want to try to add flexibility to yep. their production. I want to make more SKUs on my packaging machine. I want to be able to accept more jobs into my job shop. I mm-hmm. want to be able to uh, run more assemblies on mm-hmm. my same assembly line with the same assembly workers. Like it, it really, it's a lot of different things. The second is efficiency. Like how do we, you know, improve OEE? How do we, how do we raise our quality and raise our production? Um, all of those things. And then, uh, third is visibility and visibility is, um, you know, how do we see what's inside our plant? Not just like, you know, a lot of people, they go and they they write at the end of the line, 504 pieces we made today on mm-hmm. a marker board at the end of the line. That That's not visibility. Like, how do we truly know what we're making right now? How is it going? What's our current quality level? Is the quality level trending up and down? People are trying to get more visibility out mm-hmm. of their production. Yeah, no. Um... Well, because I, I bring it up because, it, and like you alluded to, um, you know, we, as 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 I at promise, you know, when we start talking to new people, we're we're kind of branching into what we call grassroots, and that's, you know, some of the the smaller fish, you know, that haven't made that transition to maybe automation or smart technology, mm-hmm. and and I constantly am asking people, you know, when, when we're talking about bringing smart in, and I, you know, I remind them like, you know, it might not take very much. For them to consider smart technology, you know, if they're if they're using something pneumatics or hydraulics, you know, they might just want a load cell, you know, you know, and that's to them is smart technology. That's, that's smart technology, absolutely. You know, and and for us, that's you know, um, you know, Promus' first load cell was from the early '90s. So I mean, we we forget sometimes, you know, being who we are, that it is such a wide range of definition for smart technology. And so so I apologize for putting you on the spot. But No, I I think you made a really good point though that yeah. you know, a lot of us that are in automation, mm-hmm. we are surrounded by automation, we see automation at trade shows, but we don't we just don't realize how much is still manual. Yep. Like I mean, really there's so much more manual than automation. Mm-hmm. And so most people are coming at this never having automation mm-hmm. before. So, I mean, uh, we have to take care of that before yeah. we bring technology into our plants. We have to have, do we have people with the right mm-hmm. skills? Do we have our processes in place to actually even be able to automate it all? Yeah. And then we can bring technology in. But what technology means is different in every factory. Yeah. I mean, most automotive tier suppliers, they're talking about crazy things, drones yeah. and AR yeah. and yeah. exoskeletons and all those right. kinds of things. But a lot of manufacturers, you know, there's there's close to a half a million manufacturing firms in the United yeah. States. And most of them probably don't have too much automation in their plant. And so what technology means to them is very different yeah. than what it means in, in an automotive tier supplier. Yeah. And so we have to take that into account when we write our definition. And that's why I like flexibility, efficiency, and visibility, yeah. because that can mean different things depending upon what mm-hmm. your, your level of technology is. All right, great. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that clip. Uh, this next clip um, is probably uh, the one guest that I think I did my biggest blunder on, <laughs> and uh, it's actually another Megan, uh, Megan Preston Meyer. Uh, she's an author of uh, a children's book, 
Um, and what I loved about having her on the show is it was really just a complete change of pace, caught me off guard. Um, she she writes children's book to help explain manufacturing in a more relatable way um, and kind of introduces uh, children to manufacturing at an earlier age with her uh, supply chain adventures um, in Supply Chain and FIFO. Um, I don't know. What were your thoughts? Um, so one of the things after we had this podcast, you know, we talked to our president, Glenn, about it. And just because it was very, like, inspirational, like, oh, this is a really cool mm-hmm. idea. I'm really surprised. Like, this took both of us off guard. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, Megan is just such a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Like, really nice having her on. But since then, um, we've ordered a lot of her books, mm-hmm. and we have a, a decent-sized company here, and a lot of people are growing their families. So whenever they have a kid, we give them a little care package. And now Megan's books are, like, the key focus of these care packages. So if one of our um, team members are expecting, we create, like, these little packages of children's things. And um, her books are definitely in there now. So it's just it's really nice and now you know i see your book everywhere it's just great i just love to see the growth of it all yeah i mean as i said i I totally didn't even mention being a new dad and part of what i love about being a dad is is just reading a book before bed and you know i have read these books you know not with my daughter yet because we're still on the cardboard Mm -hmm. of of books i mean you know that um But I'm super excited to read these books, whether they're actually very good, and uh, I would recommend them to anybody. Yeah, my I gave a, a set to my nine-year-old, and she's she loves them. So, you know, it's it's just really cool, and we we constantly here at Promise, and I know Matthew, you're really um, you're really into the dragons. The not the <laughs> dragons. I was thinking of like the student outreach yep. is what I was trying to think of. Um, but you you know you get into the career fairs and you bring kids here and walk them around and. I just think getting them in earlier and earlier is just so important. So, yeah. 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 So without further ado, enjoy the clip. One thing that's also super cool about about this industry is that, I mean, kids can see this in their daily life. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, I mean, like you go to the grocery store and that's the supply chain in action. I mean, like you make yourself lunch and that's assembly. Yeah. Right. I mean, so so these are super graspable topics for kids um and so you know if you just add a couple of you know add some cool illustrations or a dragon or something you can get children interested in in supply chain pretty easily what are i guess what are some of the or what are some examples i guess that you have of being able to successfully and i kind of relate that to kids do you have any real world examples um, my real world examples are, um, I've written a couple of books yep. for kids on, on supply chain and logistics. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're called the adventures of supply chain and FIFO. Mm-hmm. And, um, so they're, they're picture books for, you know, five-year-olds, basically five through, I don't know, seven or eight. And I've gotten, I've seen parents send me pictures of their kids reading supply chain um, clears the way before bed or, you know, like telling yeah. me that they demand to to read one of these books before they will possibly go down for a nap. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they don't even know, like, this is, I don't think they even know they're learning something. How, I think they just like the pictures. Yeah. How difficult was it to kind of take um, really a, a higher level kind of um, 
role or, or, or job description and kind of get it, break it down to a point um, for a child's book? Was that, was that difficult for you or did it come relatively easy? It came relatively easy and yeah. I'm caveated. I'm yeah. not bringing the entire, yeah. you know, like all of the nuances right. down into to one little book, but just taking some of these, um, you know, these little concepts that oh. are really important, but, you know, fairly simple at the, at the base of them. So, so one of the books is called FIFO saves the day and it's about first in first out. Mm -hmm. So perishable inventory management. Yep. And I mean, that's not, it's not rocket science, um, but it's, you know, it's one of these simple, powerful concepts that are easy to understand. They're just sort of hidden in everyday life. You just don't think about it really. Mm -hmm. All right. And well, I hope you enjoyed that clip. Uh, now it's time for the big announcement. And that announcement is Lauren will be joining me from here on out on the podcast as my new co-host. Yay. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk with you and all of the other guests. We usually have like an introduction conversation with our guests, um, usually just like a team's call. And they're always asking like, are you on the podcast too? Are you whatever? And I, uh, I'm like, no, I'm just here to listen and edit and stuff like that. But um, now that we're all, all together, I think it'll be a really good dynamic. Yeah, and I think having you on the show is going to be really good for the overall just approach of what we're going for because there's a lot of times after the show you're like well what about this or what about that and it's always things that's like yeah I didn't even think of that so yeah. uh, I think adding your perspective to the show is going to be really really cool yeah and the whole brother sister thing is kind of fun sometimes we have some banter and I know that our mother is going to love this It'll be her favorite thing to listen to every week <laughs> every other week if I should it, yeah. say yeah if it's not already <laughs> yeah um but, but yeah, so super excited for that. Uh, we have a lot planned for 2023, and I hope everyone's uh, 2023 has started off very good. Yeah, and I just want to thank everybody for engaging with us on social media, for subscribing, um, for and feel free to share this episode. I know it's um, sometimes it can be work-related, so even listening to it at your desk. We are also on YouTube, so if you want to watch that way. Um, but, yeah, so thanks so much, everybody. Yeah, it really means the world to us. Until next time. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by Promise Incorporated, hosted by Matthew Rawl, produced by myself, Lauren Rawl, mixed and edited by Ben Parsons. Please make sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at podcast at promiseinc.com. Thank you.